0: He described it as, I looked, like, I looked like cookies and cream pudding, like I was that shade of gray. And he's like, I'm taking her straight to the emergency room.
1: A lot of doctors, either they've never heard of it or they don't believe it exists. These patients are just ignored because it's very difficult to recognize that there's something going on.
2: I just remember praying in the, the, the room to let me meet my daughter by God's grace, to let me get through this with my wife. I I didn't want it to all end before it it all started.
3: How terrifying would it be to fight an unknown enemy, one you didn't recognize and didn't see coming? What if that enemy was coming from within, a disease, that even doctors couldn't identify. Nearly half of all Americans suffer from some chronic illness, and many struggle for an accurate diagnosis. These are their stories. I'm Lauren Bright Pacheco, and this is Symptomatic. you're immediately hit with a feeling like you're talking to a close friend when you meet Shelby Morrison. She is very open and genuine, easily getting excited when you start talking about cigars, steal her football, or her dogs. I like to tell my friends
0: I have two cats, two dogs, two kids, and a TJ, that's my husband. I have two little Chiweenies. One is huge and the other one is teeny, teeny, tiny. Wait,
3: you have to tell me, what is a Chiweenie?
0: A Chiweenie is a Chihuahua and a wiener dog
3: mixed together. So it's safe to say you're an animal lover.
0: I will die petting something that I shouldn't. I love all animals. If a brown bear was in front of me and it looked like it would let me pet it, I'd try. (laughs) You might lose a hand. (laughs) Might lose a hand, might lose an arm. But you know what? I have made my peace with God. If I am taken out by a giant ball of floof, that's how I go.
3: There is an undeniable strength to her positivity. You can sense her perseverance through a long struggle just below the surface.
2: I'm proud the most of her heart. I think she gives more than anybody that I know. She cares about people, even when a lot of people don't deserve it. And she's always willing to help
3: that was Shelby's husband TJ, who has been with her for over a decade. Little did he know when they first met that they would quickly be thrown into a whirlwind journey, pushing Shelby to the brink of a life or death situation. The symptoms that would start off this roller coaster first started showing up in Shelby during puberty.
0: I got through high school pretty normal. I remember my high school career just always being really tired all the time. But I mean, I was doing all the things and, you know, I was 17 years old. I mean, I never really
3: had an inkling that I was sick. I always kind of felt off. Go back just for a second because you said you're tired. Explain that to me. It's really hard
0: to get up out of bed in the morning. Like it's not a, I didn't sleep well kind of feeling. It's a, I can't move my body kind of feeling. Like, it's almost a complete heaviness of your limbs. The word fatigue, I feel like, is not an accurate descriptor of the tired. So I really didn't think anything about it because, like I said, I was I was an active teenager. I was, you know, hanging out with my friends, you know, staying up probably way too late. Um, and I I didn't think anything of it.
3: Shelby always seemed to be tired and lethargic. It was difficult for her to have the energy she thought came naturally to most kids her age. The doctors chalked it up to anemia, which runs in her family.
0: I had been told that I was anemic um, before. But I mean, it was just, oh, hey, your iron's low. Like, eat some broccoli. And that's, that kind of explained it away.
3: Her symptoms became something easy for her doctors and even her family to dismiss as just Shelby being dramatic. But there was a lot more going on here than they initially assumed. Her mom even brushed her complaints aside until one day in high school when she got really sick in the car.
0: I hit puberty at a very young age and I had very bad periods. I would literally be to the point where I was throwing up, couldn't be in class because I was in the bathroom, because I was in, like, my entire body would hurt.
3: And was there any attempt to figure out if that was abnormal?
0: No, not really. I mean, (laughs) my mom was like, yeah, we we all have really bad periods. Like, it's just, it's a family thing. And I was angry at the time with her because I felt like she was dismissive until one day she picked me up from school. And she got me in the car and we were driving home and I literally rolled down the window and I puked all down the side of her car going down the interstate. And I don't think she realized how sick I was until that moment. And I think she started to believe me a little bit.
3: Shelby and her mother started to realize that her symptoms couldn't just be explained by her being anemic or a typically pubescent teenager. But Shelby kept her internal battle quiet, fighting off the tiredness by herself for years. That was until she landed in the emergency room while she was away at college. I feel like
0: I am just death warmed over. Like, I can't function. And so one morning, I... uh, I called my boyfriend who I was dating at the time, not my current husband. And I was like, I can't breathe. Like I feel like I'm suffocating. Like I've I feel like I'm dying. Like I need I can you please drive me home.
3: What was it about the way you were presenting physically that he was like, We're going straight to the hospital?
0: His mom was a nurse. Um, and so he looked at me and he's like, You're grey. Like He described it as I looked like cookies and cream pudding, like I was that shade of gray. And he's like, I'm taking her straight to the emergency room. And they're like, something's not right. And so they admit me. And they're like, hey, did you know that you have mono? No, but that tracks. Like, I had no idea. I didn't know what mono was. And they're like, yeah, you've had mono. And my mom's like, well, that explains why your throat was really sore and why you felt like crap.
3: But this bout of mono wasn't one that she could easily get over with some rest and fluids. Shelby was in the hospital for nearly three weeks trying to kick this virus. Even with her history of anemia, sickness during her periods, and then this severe case of mono, there was no digging further to see if they all tied together. Yeah, it's so interesting how mono is downplayed as just like a rite of passage. Yeah. But it sounds like you were experiencing, even at the time that you thought it was just mono, very severe symptoms.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the turning point for me. That's when my life completely changed.
3: Other than the breathing issues, are there any other things looking back that you were dealing with? Were you getting lightheaded if you stood up too quickly? Yeah.
0: So I... I would get bouts of, you know, lightheadedness if I stood up too quickly, nothing too alarming at that point. The fatigue was still there, the heaviness in my joints and my limbs, and I was always out of breath, but, you know, that just brushed it off as, you know, it's just complications of mono. I mean, I always knew that something wasn't right because I know my body, but you get to a point where you have these feelings, and then you you second-guess yourself. You're like, am I making it up? Am I crazy? And it's insane. So, like I said, life went back to normal for a couple years.
3: Not wanting to complain, she internalized her health issues until she finally stumbled upon someone who truly did hear her and take her symptoms seriously her husband TJ. They met while TJ was speaking at a Future Farmers of America event where Shelby was competing in the talent pageant.
2: Other than being drop-dead gorgeous, she has a voice that sounds a lot like Martina McBride and I thought somebody was playing a recording of it and I looked down and it wasn't, it was her and it was kind of hard to ignore somebody that pretty and and that talented, and I was just kind of attracted to her from day one.
3: So, having spoken to your wife, I know that her health issue started before you two even crossed paths. When was the first time that it became apparent to you that there was something ongoing?
2: It Well, she's always been somebody that was always, for lack of a better term, she was just always sick. There was always something, and when she would get sick, it would it would take her down a lot more than me.
0: My husband, I I joke with him all the time that he got the really short end of the stick of that whole through sickness and health thing because, I mean, the entire time he's known me, I mean, on our first date, I was sick.
3: 20-year-old Shelby was still suffering from chronic fatigue and pain, as well as lightheadedness when she would stand, but now had a partner by her side and some much-needed uplifting news, a daughter on the way. At the time, when life should have been about celebration, Shelby and TJ were struggling to make ends meet, not knowing the looming fight with this mysterious illness was about to take a turn for the worse.
2: It was terrifying because we were so young and we were so poor and we were stretching ourselves thin with her working and me working and trying to finish my bachelor's degree. She was here in Ashland and I was spending most of my time in Lexington, it was really, really tough. And then when we got halfway through the pregnancy, things obviously started going wrong.
3: Very wrong.
0: So I'm navigating my first pregnancy and I feel like this was completely unrelated to the condition that I had at the time. As she was growing, she ended up actually pushing my appendix up underneath my rib cage in my back. And so I, I went to the hospital for two weeks. That pain must have been unbearable. Excru- excruciating. And the, the thing that came with it was the nausea, the throwing up. Like, And I'm 20 years old. I've never had a baby before. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I was dying. I thought my baby was in trouble.
3: We'll be right back with Symptomatic a medical mystery podcast.
1: What are real people with psoriatic arthritis saying about Cosentix?
0: I had to do something. I started Cosentix.
1: I moved better because of Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is for adults with active psoriatic arthritis and is given as a 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections. So tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Don't wait. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.
3: Now back to Symptomatic, a medical mystery podcast. Shelby Morrison was in and out of the hospital for two weeks trying to find out what was causing her this constant overwhelming back pain with no headway into finding out the source of the problem. It worsened to the point where Shelby started vomiting uncontrollably and the pain became unbearable. She rushed to the doctor.
0: I screamed and he was like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but we're getting you upstairs right now. And by 10 o'clock that night, they're like, oh, hey, you're having surgery in the morning.
2: I just remember praying in the, the the room, you know, to let me meet my daughter, to let me get through this with my wife. I, I didn't want it to all end before it even it all started.
0: They ended up taking my appendix out, and apparently, if it would have twenty four more hours, it would have burst, and it probably would have killed us both.
2: I mean, that's how close we were, and it was all because of dismissal by medical staff. And again, I'm, I don't understand a lot of things in the medical field, but to me, it's pretty easy to get an ultrasound ordered, the thing that ended up saving her life. We live in an area of the country that sees a lot of young pregnancies, a lot of unmarried pregnancies. Unfortunately, a lot of people who do try to game the system for pain pills, and there's a lot of addiction in our area, and I get it, but you know, we weren't that. And we tried to convey that, and it didn't seem to matter. We were just approached as if we were a statistic.
3: A seemingly unconnected emergency appendectomy that saved Shelby's life and her baby's life with just hours to spare. And just as this young couple thought things were calming down, trying to navigate the usual excited nerves of new parents, more complications show up for Shelby and their child.
0: I'm only, like, four weeks post-op. I started having to go back to the hospital again because I just felt— I I felt like I was having a heart attack. Turns out my blood pressure was at stroke level, and they couldn't figure out why. I was having preeclampsia, but I didn't look preeclamptic.
3: Preeclampsia is a potentially dangerous complication of pregnancy. With preeclampsia, you might have high blood pressure kidney damage, or other signs of organ damage. Left untreated, preeclampsia can lead to serious, even fatal complications for both mother and baby.
0: I wasn't swollen. I wasn't retaining fluid. But you hooked me up to a machine, and I was 168 over 114.
3: Now, explain to me what that feels like. I know what that sounds like in terms of the numbers, but what does that feel like?
0: It feels like you're running a marathon and you're sitting still. Shelby, what is going (laughs) on psychologically at
3: that point then?
0: I mean, I'm worried about my daughter. Like, I'm 20 years old. There's layers of things going on right now at this point in my life. And I'm just trying to navigate being a new mom and trying to do what's best for my baby and trying to trust my doctor. It's rough,
3: man. It may have been rough on some levels, but their beautiful baby daughter was fully healthy and thriving. That's what mattered most to Shelby and TJ.
0: She was perfectly healthy. She was a great baby. And after I had her, the dizziness and the fatigue and everything just kind of skyrocketed. My body kind of freaked out after that, but I just had a baby. I'm a new mom. I'm not sleeping well. You know, I'm, I'm trying to breastfeed and I'm trying to do all these things and these hormones are just rushing through my body.
3: Close to a year later, they would welcome another child, a healthy baby boy.
0: And then after my son was born, I experienced my first migraine. I'm not very sensitive to sound, but I am very, very sensitive to light. And my migraines affect my whole body. So when I say I have a migraine, My eyes, they throb and they hurt. It feels like there is a headband going from one ear to the other of just like ice picks jabbing into my brain. My migraines go all the way down through my spine. It literally hurts in my entire body to the point where I get nauseous. I throw up like it affects my GI system. Like I can't hardly eat. I can't hardly drink. Like water will make me sick when I have a migraine
3: add debilitating migraines to the quickly growing list of symptoms all at a time when this young family should have been focused on creating foundational memories together. Oh, this, is, this should have been the happiest time of your life. In some ways it was, but
0: in a lot of ways it wasn't. And looking back on it now, I wasn't the mom that my kids needed. And I wasn't the mom that they deserved. And I will. I'll always beat myself up for that. But You were sick. You were so sick. And now... Now they're old enough to understand. And in some ways, I still feel like I'm robbing them of some experiences in their childhood because I physically can't do some things that they want to do. But they're old enough now to where they're they're able to understand a little bit better. And... The way that my kids show me grace now, it's just, it's heartbreaking, and it's so moving all at the same time. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Gosh, I'm sitting over here. I'm blubbering. Sorry.
3: The psychological stress of her body breaking down and not allowing her to be the kind of mom she wanted to be was taking a major toll on her mental health. Shelby's body seemed to be deteriorating at a time when she needed it most, at a time when her kids needed her most.
0: As irrational as it sounds, I was scared to death that, it's it's really even sounds stupid trying to say it out loud. I was so scared that I was going to (laughs) die and leave my babies because I didn't know what was wrong or that... My family was going to get tired of me being sick or me not feeling good. And, you know, postpartum depression's a real thing. So, I mean, I would, I would be lying to you if I didn't think a couple times that, you know, my kids were better off without me um, because I wasn't a good enough mom for them. My OBGYN at the time, he prescribed me my first round of antidepressants that I had ever taken. And I took them very begrudgingly but I knew I had to do something.
3: Shelby and TJ were both determined to find a doctor who listened to Shelby's symptoms and looked at her full medical history to get to the bottom of what had been plaguing her for over a decade. After bouncing between a few different primary care doctors, they finally found one that truly heard her story, her new family physician, Dr. Tim Hart.
0: Right now, at this point in the story, I'm playing a psychological game. I looked at Dr. Hart and I said, listen, I am either crazy or there's something wrong. And at this point, I don't care which one it is, I just have to know. I told him, I was like, listen, I get dizzy when I stand up and I don't even really pass out and it's not even a real dizzy feeling. Like it's it's almost like the room kind of spins a little bit, but it feels like my legs are gonna give out on me. I said, like, I'm literally tired all the time like I could sleep for days and still wake up tired my joints constantly hurt my body is constantly aching my hair is falling out and a plethora of other things oh and that's what I told him to. I was like I can't remember anything like I feel like my brain just doesn't work 90% of the time
3: Dr. Hart talks to Shelby about all the pieces of her medical past, her childhood, riddled with chronic fatigue, getting extremely sick, and nearly passing out during her periods, preeclampsia, the migraines, the brain fog, all of it. Dr. Hart realizes it's not all in her head, it's all very real. He first targets the brain fog symptoms with some ADHD medication. Shelby sees a big difference being able to keep up with her life mentally, but her body is still stuck. What for you was the moment where you were like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I need answers. Well, actually,
0: so fast forward to 2021 and my husband and I were outside hanging Christmas lights in November and it's like 10 o'clock at night. And we are painstakingly hot gluing light clips onto the brick veneer of our house because I'm married to Clark Griswold and we're crazy Christmas people. And that's just what we do. So I'm coughing up a lung. I can't hardly stand. I'm getting dizzy when I stand up. It's freezing cold. Like I'm so cold to the point where like my joints hurt and my husband's like, Oh great. You've probably got COVID again. He's like, You need to go get tested. So I drive myself to the urgent care that's just right next to our house almost. So they take me back and they hook up the machines and they're checking my vitals. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm out of breath. I'm heavy breathing because I've walked from the waiting room to the room. And they're like, girl, you're in tachycardia.
3: Tachycardia is the medical term for a resting heart rate over 100 beats per minute
2: something's wrong some something is is bad wrong and honestly it w- at first you know i was terrified that it was an actual heart issue that something was going to happen you know like a heart attack or an aneurysm or there was a blockage whatever it was and it it was just terrifying
3: Shelby's body was struggling to regulate her blood pressure and heart rate. Her tachycardia quickly got worse right when TJ had to go out of town for work. So Shelby called two of her best friends, who happened to be a nurse and a doctor.
0: I'm sitting on the edge of the ottoman, and he's trying to listen to my chest and, you know, do the whole basic workup. And the lights go out, and I go to fall forward. I look up, and he's got a hold of me and he's like your heart rate's out of control you're hyperventilating you can't get adequate oxygen like Shell, you've got to go to the emergency room I didn't know it then at that moment but the next three hours were going to be some of the most traumatic experiences of my life
3: Shelby rushes to the ER with her heart racing and her body freaking out, hoping to get her condition under control before anything tragic happens. But the attending doctor isn't exactly concerned.
0: I feel like my heart is going to explode at this point. And he's like, well, you look fine. He's like, you don't look like you're sick. He's like, your vitals look normal. He's like, I'll take you back and I'll do an ultrasound just to make you feel better. Like, he's doing me a favor just to make me feel better.
2: The doctor just completely blew her off as if she, it was stress or anxiety. And it was just completely dismissive. And, you know, it was everything that I had not to to march into the ER and give the guy a piece of my mind. But I knew at the end of the day that was only going to hurt Shelby's situation more than anything. You know, but I, it also helped the fact that we had one of my best friends, Chris, who is an MD and is explaining that this isn't normal, this isn't anxiety, this isn't, you know, they're not running the panels they need to run, that kind of thing, which led us into going to the right family care providers that did listen to us and and got her some testing and got her to the right people.
3: Dr. Hart was the health provider who listened and did more testing. Shelby went to him the next day, knowing anxiety didn't explain away her heart issues and battle with tachycardia. Dr. Hart relooked at Shelby's medical history, reconsidering her tough battle with mono in a different light. He had an idea of what may be going on and referred her to a specialist, Dr. Van Daren, who finally had the answer.
0: I'll never forget the day that I walked into Dr. Van Daren's office. It was one of the happiest days of my life. Like, I'll, I will put it up there with, like, my wedding day and the birth of my children. And he's like, hey, you know, what What are we seeing you for today? And I tell him a little bit of what's going on. And as I'm talking to him, it's almost like he's not even listening to me. He's, he's looking at my chart. He looked at me. He goes, you know, you have pots, right? Huh? He's like, yeah, your textbook pots. Well, um, I saw something about that on the internet. He was like, yeah, he's like, because it's pretty much only it lives on the internet. There's very few doctors that even know what to look for and know what's going on. He explained to me that he said, we're seeing a rise in POTS patients right now because he said 90% of autoimmune or autonomic nervous system disorders are triggered by a virus. He said, and you've had the big two. He said, so I don't know really what triggered yours. He said, because you've had Epstein-Barr and you've had COVID-19.
3: Shelby's battle with COVID just intensified her POTS symptoms. The fatigue, the dizziness, the migraines, the mono, a.k.a. Epstein-Barr, the preeclampsia, the brain fog, the blood pressure and heart rate troubles, the tachycardia, all of these symptoms pointed to a mysterious illness that had been plaguing Shelby for 13 years. And now there was a name she could put to what she'd been suffering from, POTS. Dr. Jeff Boris, a pediatric cardiologist specializing in autonomic disorders, explains more.
1: So POTS, or the postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, is a dysautonomia. In POTS, what happens is patients have this malfunction of their autonomic system, and they get extremely debilitated due to lightheadedness, tachycardia, severe nausea, fatigue... Cognitive dysfunction or brain fog, as uh, people are recognizing this term, I think, in the setting of long COVID. And uh, many other symptoms that can come along with this as well.
3: Why do you think that it is so difficult to
1: diagnose POTS? So what happens is a lot of doctors historically have not recognized that POTS exists. Either they've never heard of it or if they have heard of it, they don't believe it, or are just not aware of it. So that's part of the problem. And, And in the Big Pot survey, half of patients took at least seven providers before getting a diagnosis, and about a quarter of patients saw over 10 providers before getting a diagnosis. I think the other issue, though, that plays into this is that There is anywhere from a 3.5 to 1 to a 5 to 1 ratio, female to male patients. So with that female predominance, this is something that's been a problem in medicine for decades and decades, is that female patients who have symptoms that are, quote, invisible, are shunted aside, dismissed. So a lot of these patients are just ignored. Because it's very difficult for people to recognize that there's something going on.
3: A journey to a POTS diagnosis is not short or easy for many people. For Shelby, it was long, long overdue. And that made hearing her proper diagnosis all that much better. But what did that mean to you?
0: Oh my gosh, like it meant, it meant the world. It meant the world. Like, I was able to put a name to what was happening to me. It was a start. And it finally put the chip on my shoulder to where, like, I knew I wasn't crazy. And I had been gaslit for so many years.
3: So, some relief it finally has a name. But just having the name doesn't get rid of the symptoms. Shelby and her doctors are still working to find a treatment regimen that helps her manage her symptoms and gets her back the lifestyle she deserves. She's currently being treated with bi-weekly IV fluids because dehydration is a complication of POTS that can make the other symptoms worse. It's
0: helped me to understand my body a little bit better. I'm still on my POTS journey. There have been highs and lows. It's been a definite roller coaster. But we're still trying to figure out a treatment plan that works for me because I'm kind of like a gremlin. I can't get too hot. I can't get too cold. Don't get me wet. Don't feed me after midnight. Like, it's hard to keep it in balance.
1: I mean, we're still pretty clueless as far as what's actually happening to these patients. We suspect that a fair number of them are having POTS due to an autoimmune phenomenon. Until the medical community discovers
3: more and has it integrated into the widespread medical curriculum, there will be some ongoing misunderstanding about this syndrome, something Dr. Boris is very familiar with. What would you say are the most prevalent and frustrating misconceptions that people have about POTS? Patients
1: are told pretty frequently that it's just anxiety. Or they have an eating disorder. That's, that's one of the really bad ones. So one of the problems that we can see in these patients is what we call GI or gastrointestinal dysmotility, meaning their intestines just don't work right. So they are nauseated frequently. So I think the two biggest ones that I would say would, would be being accused of having a psychiatric disorder. Or being accused of having an eating disorder, which certainly falls under the psychiatric realm as well.
3: Shelby spent 13 years fighting these misconceptions and defiance to embrace POTS as something to consider when diagnosing patients. She was pushed to multiple life-threatening situations, second-guessed her own sanity, felt the guilt of not being able to be the mother she wanted to be to her children. But luckily, she had TJ there to be her support network, a husband who knows she has nothing to feel guilty about.
2: The hardest part for it is just trying to convey that I'm in it for life. Whatever happens, however it it works, we'll get through it. And a lot of times, unfortunately in that, I think that Shelby thinks that there's expectations or there's feelings that I'm missing out or the kids are missing out, you know, trying to calm her down and let her know that we don't have a list of expectations.
3: Shelby is still fighting hard to find the right treatments to give her back her sense of normalcy. But one thing she will be doing as a mom is making sure her children do not suffer from the same runaround she had to endure.
0: My daughter is having a barrage of unexplained symptoms that even I've never had. She's got random hives breaking out all over her body. She's having joint pain. Her hair is kind of falling out. All of the gaslighting that I went through is not going to happen to my daughter. I'm not going to be that passive mother that sits on the sidelines. I'm trying to teach my daughter that you have to advocate for yourself. And I told her, I'm your mom. I'm always going to be there for you. I will advocate for you. But you have to trust your own body and you have to know your own body. So if there is something wrong, speak up.
3: Speak up. To find out more information on POTS, visit standinguptopots.org. My name is
0: Shelby, and I struggled for 13 years before I was diagnosed with POTS.
3: On the next symptomatic, Kyle seems not to be able to go a couple of months without a new break, sprain, or dislocation. And worse, a tumor was found on his spine.
1: We knew there was a mass, but we didn't know if it was benign, is it cancer? There was just so much we didn't know. I was
3: done. I was mentally, that was it. I kind of honestly just like gave up. Kyle and his mother Laura battle against a tumor that is taking far too long to heal and pushing him to the brink of being bedridden for the rest of his life or worse. Symptomatic, a medical mystery podcast, is an original podcast from iHeartRadio. Our show's hosted by me, Lauren Bright Pacheco. Executive producers are Matt Romano and myself. Our EP of post-production is Matt Stillo. Our producers are Ciara Kaiser and John Irwin.